first thing you got to do is, so there's some simple steps. The mm -hmm. first thing is uh, you have to uh, be, get committed that you're going to get into the non-prime business. Yeah. Okay. So ideally, what you, what you want to do is either get a credit specialist or somebody that understands the lenders. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of things that really make a non-prime department. Number one, lenders. Number two, inventory. Good evening and welcome to another great episode of the After Hours with Jay podcast. Tonight, Jay is jamming with Derek Sloan. They'll be talking about the value of a good delivery and how to make the most of your subprime deals. There's lots of value to get out of tonight's podcast, so let's dive into it with your host, Jason Harris. But first, a quick word from today's sponsor. Sales, marketing, automotive. Jason Harris has done it all. This is the After Hours with Jason podcast. After Hours with Jason podcast is sponsored by DDS Beer Club. Beer specifically crafted for hardworking sales professionals. Find out more at ddsbeerclub.ca. Hey, what's going on, Podcast Nation? It's Jason Harris here with Digital Dealership Solutions. Hey, thanks for joining us on another episode of After Hours with Jay. Today, I have my guest, Derek Sloan, Executive Vice President of SimTech. Derek, thank you so much for taking the time to come jam thanks with me tonight. Thanks for having me. It's exciting. I love it. Yeah, it is a lot of fun, right? Absolutely. So, uh, Derek, for everyone out there that's um, listening and watching right now, just to have a little context, we kind of get maybe a couple of minutes about how you got started in the industry and what you've been up to. Yeah, sure. Well, actually, I got started in the industry because my wife showed up with a new demo from selling cars. So I was actually in the high-tech <laughs> industry prior to the automotive industry and um, had my own software company at the time. and. And uh, was uh, back in the days, I'm, I'm a little older than you, I think, Jason, actually, probably a lot older than you. <laughs> oh, come on. And um, so back in the days of building clone computers and um, doing software. Anyway, uh, my wife, uh, who was my girlfriend at the time, went and got a, car, uh, a job at the car dealership and, and showed up one time in a, in a Vision TSI. I'll never Vision forget the TSI. car. Nice. It was a beautiful Eagle Vision TSI. <laughs> uh, you can't find those today. Don't worry about it. Um, uh, but she showed up, beautiful car, and I'm looking at her, and I'm like, what is this? What You got a car today? She goes, yeah, I, I just went and applied to sell cars, and they gave me this vehicle. And, and I thought I thought it was actually kind of insane. Yeah. Um, but I got started. She um, Every every single time I'd go to work and I'd go meet her, her boss would try and hire me. And long story short is um, I remember taking the chance and said, well, I'm going to go interview for some of these positions. <laughs> and I went to five different dealerships in one day, and I got five job offers. Uh, offers. And then I went back to her and I said, what is wrong with this industry? I said, I went to five <laughs> places. I got five job offers. I said, "Is it? are they desperate for people or what? If you got a pulse. <laughs> um, yeah, if you got a pulse, like what's going on? So anyway, got in the industry, fell in love with it, and uh, moved through all the way from sales to um, used car manager, new car manager, general sales manager, general manager, uh, became a partner, um, and then also then became president and CEO of a, of a dealer group. And then as well, uh, just continued to move up the ranks. Nice. And then uh, joined this uh, amazing company. Here's the plug. Amazing company, <laughs> Simtech Dealer Services, that I've been part of for almost nine years. And uh, started off with our, uh, our training in F&I Performance Program. And, uh, and now I'm Executive Vice President, and we're now North American Focus. And I couldn't be more excited and more... Yeah, I'm more excited about being in this industry. Yeah, there's That's a great. lot of exciting things going on in your there's office tons, right now. Like, there's there's just a lot of cool on. things going on. Absolutely. There's a lot of spinning plates. 
You I know can't how keep your eyes off the ball. So, yeah, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Well, one of the things, and we've kind of got a chance to talk a little bit about this off camera, but I think one of the places I'd really like to jam with you today is kind of about F&I and yes. maybe specifically Subprime, but we can kind of bounce back and forth between the two. Sure. Because I think there's a place there where there's still a lot left on the table. And people don't necessarily understand maybe some of the best practices. And I think very even more specifically in subprime, you know, so you have a tremendous amount of subprime background and experience. I do. Yeah. Yeah, Give me a little info about that. Sure. I mean, uh, working in a subprime environment. So I'm I'm more of a used car guy Mm -hmm. uh, starting off in the used car environment before we started getting to new car franchises and that kind of thing. So used cars is uh, is kind of my um, my my heart belongs in that world. and uh, about 16 years in the non-prime in the non-prime world. Mm-hmm. So uh, understanding back in the, I go back to the 90s. I mean, for some of you that started in the car business in the 70s, you're probably laughing at me and saying, "Hey, kid, <laughs> no big deal. You started in the 90s." But what's really cool about non-prime is um, it's a different process. Yes. And um, a lot of new car dealers. So back in the day, it was a used car dealer that did non-prime. Yeah, And that was kind of the predominant focus is that if you wanted a non-prime or a higher interest rate, you went to a used car facility or some form of used car dealer. Uh, a new car dealer was off limits. You didn't even bother to even go in. Sure. Well, that's changing. And in fact, that's changing in a, in a significant way. A huge way. Um, we are finding now, personally, I am finding now the interest from uh, new car uh, dealers, uh, dealer groups, uh, reputable dealer groups that want to get into the non-prime space. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, one of the biggest motivators is their own customer base that they've had for years. What they're finding is they're becoming, from a prime customer, they're becoming a non-prime customer. Sure. And statistically, it's important to note that um, customers' total debt service ratios, especially in Canada, uh, in the automotive industry, uh, are increasing. Yeah. So, so what happens is they, they're, they're, uh, their rates are higher, uh, their loans are different. And new car dealers don't always know how to approach or, or attack that. No, because they're so used to those subvented rates. And the, Absolutely. And, you know, there's, I guess, the, and we were talking about this a little bit, that there's just a huge assumption that people just automatically qualify for subvented. It just seems to be that we don't, we don't seem to take the time to really work with the customer and and before we get into negotiations, understand where they are creditly, you know, creditly, is that yeah, a word? Yeah. Sure, yeah, I just made one up. We're going to make that We're going to make up it up. Um, you know, yeah. creditly in their life. Someone's going to give me I'm going to give you a lot of one. creditly for that. <laughs> okay, there okay. we go. <laughs> but it's just, we, we just bypassed that whole process. I mean, we were talking about it a little earlier. It's just, you yeah. know, when I first started in the business and probably similar to when you started as well, is that, you know, you had, you had someone fill out a credit application before you dove into it because yeah. you didn't know what their credit was. You didn't know what they would qualify for. And, yeah. you know, I mean, what were we going to do? Spend hours and hours getting excited about a product that they were not going to be able to afford in the first place? Right. I don't know. There was a switch. I don't know when the switch happened, but we just like stopped doing that altogether and just went straight into just um, 0%, 0. 0.99%. Well, actually, part of that is the service that they provided the customer in the first place. So so when um, a customer walks into a new car franchise, Mm -hmm. right, and the new car franchise has a reputable name, it's been around for years, the sales representatives on the floor feel in some way that they're going to insult the customer if they discuss their credit hmm. or if they ask to qualify for a certain type of uh, interest rate. But here's the, here's the thing, um, and this is the challenge. There is a way of actually embracing that customer and asking the question in a right way 
to get them to do what's called a pre-qualified or a pre-approval mm-hmm. for them to understand better what they're working with. In fact, I'm going to even submit that we're doing the customer a disservice I would if agree. we are actually serving them at a 0% or 0.9 or whatever subvented rate, and we're pro- doing proposals based on those rates, and we don't know their credit history. We can't guarantee those rates. And a lot of the times, we're, we're taking a customer, we're setting a high expectation, and then in, in some cases, we're finding out they don't qualify. Yep. And now we got to unwind everything that we've worked hard to do. Talk about just destroying that customer experience. And demoralizing like just, for the sales representative. 100%. The sales representative has spent you know, two, three hours, maybe even six months in some cases working yeah. the customer and being there for them and trying to book appointments, getting them in to put a deal together only to find out that they don't qualify for 0.9%. Their payment doesn't is not the right payment. They're on the wrong car, too much car. And then lo and behold, we put that customer into the business office. They buy a whole bunch of product, yep. right? Yep. And then after that, we try to get them financing only to find out we can't get them financing. Yeah. So what happens? We pull all the product out. We end up doing a skinny deal on a car in stock. We shoehorn them into the car as much as we can so that we can try and have some form, salvage some form of a low gross deal. And if we just um, took the 15 minutes, literally it. the 15 minutes, to have the conversation mm-hmm. very early in, in the process, we would have never had to do that. No. And I've seen it happen more often than not. Absolutely. So I have a saying, and this is, so if you didn't get anything else out of this, this is what you get. There you go, guys. Here okay. comes. You ready? This Here's is, the takeaway. This is a anything. golden nugget right here. Never take a non-prime customer and put them through a prime process. Yes. It makes no sense. You're not going to structure the deal properly. It's going to cost you gross profit, and it's going to cost you customer experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a lousy customer experience. You have to have two different types of, of uh, processes in your store. You have to have a prime process, and you have to have a non-prime process. They are not the same. Not even close. And I actually think that's really good because this is where we're going to go with this topic, right? There's a lot of dealers out there that are listening to this and watching watching this right now. And they're thinking to themselves, or maybe they started the process, or maybe they did it and did it unsuccessfully, Mm -hmm. that they want to build a subprime department. Really what that means. They have to understand that it's an entirely different process. Completely. Like 100%. Yeah. And it's important to know when you say, so, so I get all these, I get kind of like, you know, my hair raises up when build a subprime department. That, that's it. <laughs> it's like, so oh no. People, people, that's right. And I got lots of hair on, the, on my arms <laughs> and stuff. So when people say I want to build a subprime business, let's be clear. You're not in subprime, okay? If you have somebody in your store that can get a, a deal approved at a higher interest rate because they understand the lending criteria yep. of a non-prime lender, that doesn't make you in the subprime business. No. Let's be real clear. That means you have somebody who has the flexibility and ability to get somebody uh, bought or approved in a non-prime or at a non-prime rate. Yep. Okay. Building a non-prime business is a complete 100% different focus on building like a completely different business. Oh, 100%. Okay. The process is different. The customer demographics in some cases or the, the customers are different. And, the communication uh, requirements 100%. are different. Structuring the, deals are different. The whole yes, bit. The marketing is entirely different. Compensation, like pay plans are different. It's also different as well. Yeah. All of those pieces. There's so much that goes into it. it. So what I'm finding today, Jason, is a big challenge is I'm finding I'm running into dealerships, new car dealers specifically, mm-hmm. who are trying to build this, but building it with the wrong pay plan, building mm-hmm. it with the wrong process, okay, dabbling in it. So they're trying to have somebody who have, wears like two or three hats. 
yeah, let's get them over here and one over here. And it's like, let me just kind of dip my foot into the pool. I'm not going to go swimming. I'm just going to get kind of wait around a little bit. Right. That's right. That's right. Because they don't want to spend too much money on it, but they want. And then and then the worst thing they do is they go out and they buy leads. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's funny because they don't do that anywhere else. No, they they, they don't say, "Mm, you know what? I think I'm going to kind of sell parts. Correct. You know, I, I'll just kind of do it. I won't like totally do it, but maybe we'll kind of service cars, but we'll only do some services. We won't do all services. We're just, you know, we're just going to do tires. How about that? We're just gonna, but my parts manager is also going to sell cars. Yeah, and he's exactly. also going to desk a few deals here and there too, because we're going to give him a multiple hats, right? Yeah, exactly. It's so crazy. we're not we're not trying to pick on dealers who are trying to dabble into the non prime. No, piece. what we're trying to do is we're trying to be truthful about this, guys. 100%. Like, really, let's lay, we're laying this out for you. You know, know that this is a commitment. You got it, absolutely. And there's some benchmarks in this. So before I get because I can get crazy on the subject, I'll just say this: if you're seriously considering building a non prime business, yes, number one, you have to be committed to understanding what that even is in the first place. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that is a separate business with um, a, with lead generation, or even or lead acquisition, or whatever the case may be. And I'm gonna I'm gonna share something too with with your viewers, and that is, new car dealers are sitting on a massive amount of customers who are low hanging fruit. Yep. Uh, I've been through this now many many times with dealers, where they go into their own DMS, they pull out all the customers in the last 24, 36, and 48 months who have all purchased vehicles at higher interest rates and non prime. Mm-hmm. And we that's the first place we go. We grab that list of customers with proper scripts and proper word tracks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we call those customers up and we help them move into vehicles at lower rates. Yeah. Okay? That's it's a win-win for everybody. Plus, 100%. That, that's, that is 100%. for me, and I don't know. If, I find that's the purpose of Subprime. Like that, 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 when I yeah. when I built Make up my prime. subprime department, it was my purpose was not to keep them in as subprime. Mm-hmm. It was to make them prime. You got it. And I mean, I would move people out in and out of cars every twelve to sixteen months. Yeah, you know. Yeah, if you can, if they yeah. can pay their bills and everything yeah, else yeah, is granted. Good. Yeah, as 100%. long as I had the everything else checked it. mark every twelve to sixteen months, it was into another vehicle and just yeah. just slightly lower interest rates, you know? So when, so when you're explaining is really kind of like a credit reestablishment type program. That's a great way to look at it. Right. Yeah. And, and so what you do is, so when a customer comes in with non-prime, there's a, there's a few elements. Number one, most non-prime customers won't go to a new car franchise because they're already making assumptions mm. that they won't get approved anyway. True. So that's one, that's one element or demographic of customer. The other one is the customer who's been buying from that new car dealership for years but now their total debt service ratio is out of whack because they keep using their house as an ATM machine mm-hmm. and they just owe way too much money. Yep. That customer needs to be handled properly as well. So what we're finding is there's a huge increase in, in non-prime. And there's three three levels. There's near-prime, non-prime, and subprime. Yeah, right? that's true. That's true. So, I, uh, this is the way it's funny you say that because here's how I, I said there's subprime. Subprime, and then there's subprime, but actually, I like yours better. That makes more sense. <laughs> well, the subprime you're talking about, I mean, I've seen 29 point, I've, I've done it 29.9 percent interest rates with $1,500 admin fees. Yes, I mean, you know, that's crazy business. You know, GPS trackers, you know, and, and yeah, that's right. And if you didn't punch in the code, if your code didn't work in the morning, it means your payment didn't go through pretty much. So, uh, but that exists for a reason. And, yes. and a lot of the times, some of them will want to reestablish your credit and some of them won't. Yep. Um, but our goal or a goal to approach this whole business is in a very positive, noble, fully transparent and compliant way to mm-hmm. say, here's where, here's your current state. Here's where you stand. Let's move you from here to here. Mm-hmm. And that's providing a positive service. Well, that whole process 
in a new car environment is ideal if done properly. Yes. Okay. Not dabbled in. Okay. And one other key thing too is when you pay people, so non-prime is different. How you pay a, a person to handle a non-prime deal is you don't pay them on F&I product. You pay them on the entire car deal because as you're booking a car or you're, you're putting a deal together, it has to be put together, structured both front and back combined. You have to do it simultaneously. 100%. You can't have you can't have this front and back, you know, the sales department and then the F&I office. They can't be two separate all. entities. They have to be the same entity because you're 100% right. We we have to look at both the front, pick out the right vehicle. It's not necessarily the vehicle they may have come in on, mm-hmm. all right, but it's a vehicle that we know based on the criteria that we're looking at that we're able going to get bought. Maybe the the vehicle books out a little better. So we know that we can kind of push it a little bit more or the valuation of it's going to be a little higher, you know. So it's like you, you're 100% right. You got to control both front and back. Absolutely. And, and what's important to know too is pay plans or job descriptions. Hmm. Oh, you got to set that out in the beginning. 100%. See, I think what it is is a lot of people, a lot of dealerships out there, will, they have good intentions of getting into subprime because what happens is they did a couple non prime deals, mm-hmm. right? And they got a taste for it. They're like, wow, that was, that was chewy. Like, yeah. I liked that, right? <laughs> then immediately they think they're going to get into it. But I find they get into it, but they don't necessarily have a goal and objective before they get into it. It's like, let's just start doing it. Correct. And to your point, let's buy leads, right? But obviously in the beginning... They, they don't go to that low-hanging fruit. Yeah. It's like, That's let's right. define what the goal and objective is, and then let's work backwards to to build the pay plan, to hire the right people, you know. So let's talk about that. Where So let's say we have set a proper goal and objective. Sure. So we, we really do understand yeah. what we could potentially get out of developing of non-prime. Yeah. Once we have that, what would you say would be kind of the next steps from there? Well, the first thing you got to do is, so there's some simple steps. The mm-hmm. fir- first thing is uh, you have to uh, be, get committed that you're going to get into the non-prime business. Yeah. Okay. So ideally, what you, what you want to do is either get a credit specialist or somebody that understands the lenders. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of things that really make a non-prime department. Number one, lenders. Number two, inventory mm. and how the inventory and the lenders come together. So the lenders, of course, you when you understand lending criteria, you understand what they lend to and how on a non-prime basis. And you become really, really strong in that. And then you match that with, so you get an advance from the lender on mm-hmm. the customer. And then there's a payment call. That payment call needs to match the inventory. And I'm going to tell you where the sweet spot is in non-prime. The sweet spot is once you understand your full demographics and ideally what the payment calls are on a consistent basis, mm-hmm. and you match your inventory to match the payment call. Okay. Yes. So there's of course negative equity that's buried into the deal, stuff like that. But ideally, you want to you once you connect those two things together, that's when you get a flow. That's mm-hmm. when you start to move inventory quicker. So here's a couple of techniques. I'll throw one out. Number one, pre-book all your inventory. So with tools like uh, a Canadian Black Book, uh, V-Auto, you can actually pre-book your used car inventory to know what kind of room you have based on how much booking room it has. Yes. So pre-book it. So you know kind of moving into it what, what kind of room you actually have. 100%. Yeah. So you know what vehicles, and then get a list of vehicles that book the best, yes. that book well, that you may not have, that you may want to acquire. Yeah. So as you're building a non-prime department, you want to have at your at arm's length you want to already know what vehicles you're working with and what kind of latitude you have in those vehicles. Yeah, and I'll give you a quick example of that, right? I mean, um, you remember the Mitsubishi Galant? Oh, absolutely. All right. I know it very was well. not <laughs> it was it wasn't a number one seller by any means, no. okay? But you know what? It was a in big, the US it was at one time. It was. It was one time in the US it, it was like was. number one car, wasn't it? It was it, like, it, was, it was a big family crazy. sedan, yeah. you know. Um, 
with in, in some cases a small engine or some cases a yeah. really big engine actually a couple different models but the funny thing is is that you could buy one that was a year or two old and a bit booked out beautifully mm-hmm. i mean just beautifully right um, I, I could buy these things at auction for nine to ten thousand dollars but they book at 15 to 16 grand right you know so like guys this is what we're talking about when we're looking at inventory now was i was i going to be able to retail this unit for 15 or 60 grand no 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 i wasn't gonna be able to retail for 15 60 grand but according to the lenders mm-hmm. that's what they view the product being worth Absolutely. so you know i mean once I kind of got a taste for that, I was like, oh, you know, I ended, I bought one, now I bought nine. Right. <laughs> you know, because so what kind of advantage did that give you at the auction? Oh, huge. Huge. I was in there buying stuff that nobody else was paying attention to because they're yeah. like, uh, yeah, sure, take all 11. I'm like, I will gladly take all 11. Correct. You know, but I, I had to find, I got lucky and I found that sweet little spot, Correct. right? But there are still vehicles out there that do Tons. exist that are exactly like that. Absolutely, yeah. lots of them. And and if you stay with uh, you know the basic uh, features in a vehicle like automatic air conditioning, power mm-hmm. locks, windows, all that kind of stuff, try not to buy sticks with no air, that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And they probably don't book well anyway. Yep. So buy the inventory that books well, and and I'm going to share some with you. Keep it on your lot. Make sure it's pre-certified, already detailed, and, and retail ready for sale. So that because a non-prime customer, you want a spot delivered. Now in Canada, yes. I may have said just about oh, word no. here a little he bit. Oh no, he said it. Right, it's a four-letter word. Is it four letters? No, it's probably five letters, but that's okay. Forget. <laughs> no, it's four. Forget it. So it's a spot deliver a car. See, I can count. I can do math. What's <laughs> spot delivering a car in Canada is is almost like non-existent. Yes, but I will tell you, it's 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 the way you need to go. And it can be done. It can. Oh, you just absolutely. have to have a process. No, absolutely, it can be done. <laughs> Imagine for, and in fact, you know who's the most excited to get their car the same day they bought it? More than anybody? Oh, like, those non-prime customers. The customers. They're, the customers they're so are excited. Stunned. Yeah, I they, guess actually on both sides. They're actually super excited either way, right? Either way. Yep. You know, I bought a car, run it through the cash, I'll take it home today. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's really the way the, the way they want it. So going back to it, you book your inventory. That's one. You uh, And then the other part, too, is know your lenders. Yes. I'm going to share some with you. This is one thing I see, and I don't always get it. Um, I see F&I, man- and in fact, for F&I managers out there that are not doing non-prime, this is a technique that's going to, that potentially could save you a ton of deals, just to give and make you more valuable in the dealership. Um, invite your lenders in, all of them. Create a relationship with them. Oh, 100%. Man, I'm 100% for this. But have them spend a, do an hour training session. Okay, on lending criteria. Mm-hmm. Have them walk through how deep they buy. They'll literally tell you. They will give you the the roadmap to success. 100%. They will literally say, this is what we're looking for. These are the 12 things we're looking 100%. for. 100%. Yeah. We, we organize at Simtech, we organize what we call lending days for dealers, where oh, we like set up a, a day, an entire day where all the lenders come in. They come in for an hour apiece. They cover all their lending criteria. They explain the demographics and the exact specifics of the types of customers that they're looking for mm-hmm. and all the different levels and what they lend. And then by the time you're done with that, you start to understand better. You, you start to look at their customers and match them to the lender. Mm-hmm. Okay, But there's another piece, excuse me, a very important piece. Understand how to read a credit bureau and pull it prior. It's still a little bit of an art form. Oh, I'm going to say, you know, where I think sales have kind of changed a little bit, you know, it's just, you know, you, you, you know, having that hard, hard closer is not necessarily required anymore as it used to be. But there is still one place in the in the dealership that does require some some, some talent, as you know, some, you know, some foresight, right? It's like is how to present this application, right? And yeah. what you're looking at when the bureau comes up. Absolutely. And, and you know what's interesting about talent? How does it start? It starts with 
with learning it in the first place, yes. skill, experience. And, then, and then repetition and experience. But I'm going to share some with you. I used to deliver cars just looking at bureaus. I didn't yeah. even have an approval yet, yeah. and I'd spot deliver a car. In the states, don't, we used to do that. Don't do that, by the way. Yeah, that's that's just like a. I, re I remember that. You know, you, that, you, you, go, you go to your boss and you'd hand him the paperwork. You kind of slip through it, look through it. You're kind of waiting for him to say, "Hey, look up and go." All right, let it roll. Yeah, and didn't even have the approval yet. Correct. Right, and it's just that's. I don't think that was a Canadian Spotting. thing. I don't know. There's like. <laughs> Let it roll. <laughs> okay, boss. Okay. But would you, I, I guarantee you'd be, you may or may not be surprised of how many dealers in Canada do not pull bureaus at all. Oh, yeah. That doesn't surprise There's me There's a tremendous bit. amount that do not even pull bureaus in the first place. They're concerned about the $7 or $8 fee or whatever it is. And at the end of the day, I won't gonna, I'll, I'll tell you, if you do not pull bureaus or understand how to read bureaus, Mm -hmm. um, and you're in an environment where you have to maneuver with your lenders, uh, meaning that you're not in an, in an environment where 98% of your customers are prime. Um, you're at a huge disservice. Huge. You're not structuring the deal properly. You're actually relying on the lender to tell you all the details um, of that customer. So it's really in their hands. Um, you need D to be in control. Don't you think just lazy? I mean, I, mean, I just you know, I hate you know, to say it, but I... It I you know, honestly, what it is, I think... I think Part of it could be laziness. Yeah. I think the other part could be just they, they don't real they don't know what they don't know. Is it a lack of training? And is, oh, that, is that what it is? Oh, 100 percent. Okay. Well, let me ask you a question. There's people that that don't even pull their own bureaus. There's people that That's have true. never seen their own credit bureau. Yeah. Right. And we live in a world today where I have my bureau on notification. Yeah. So if somebody pulled, I had this. Uh, my wife leases a vehicle, and I had a notification come in on email, and it said your bureau was checked by, um, I'd say the manufacturer. Sorry, um, Mercedes Benz Canada, but whatever. But, you know, check it. They check your bureau. Yeah. And, of course, I go on my bureau right away. And I'm like, well, what's going on here? Only to find out that I guess in my lease agreement with them, they can check my bureau after a certain period of time. That way uh -huh. that they know that's if we're going to move into another vehicle, right? But the point is, is that know your, know your own bureau. Understand mm -hmm. credit bureaus in general. There's a huge advantage. A lot of this stuff is training. Yes. Right? So if I have to sum it up, because I talked a lot right there. Number, <laughs> number one, understand your lenders. Yes. Invite them in your store. Get them to do a lending. A lend, do a lending day. Okay? I like that lending day. I actually really like that. Buy idea. them pizza. Yeah. Get them some whatever. Just just have a, a day of it. Talk about lending. Just do it. Yeah. If you're an FNI manager doing it, have fun with it. I think it's actually cool to actually bring the entire team on this. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's awesome to have Absolutely. your FNI managers there. But I mean, uh, your sales manager should be there. Your um, your GSM, your GM. Well, you bring up an important. Your you salespeople know who, should you know even who the be the number there. one person who needs to know how to read a bureau in the, on the sales floor is the number one person who needs to know how to read a bureau more than anyone else on your sales floor in a new car franchise. Your sales manager is desking the deal. Hundred percent. That's it, the person. Now, I'm just saying that to a whole group of people that may be looking at me like I'm nuts. What are you talking about? That's my F&I manager. That's my... Well, you know, Derek, I think a lot of people don't even know that we can do it. I, I don't think any, a lot of people know that we can actually pull a bureau. Correct. Without... I mean, uh, I, mean I mean, it's important. Like, it's legit. I know that's crazy. No, it's important. Saying, I think it's there's, important a lot of, there's a lot of sales managers out there that are going, wait a second, I can actually do this? Yeah. Well, of course, you do need permission from the customer. Yep. And you do need a pre... You need some form... So let's back up for a second. You put a pre-approval process in your yes. floor. There you you go. put the proper word tracks that allow a customer to know that they can qualify for the right rate, mm -hmm. right? But then you get the desk manager pulling the bureau, understanding the bureau, knowing what level of interest rate or payment call potential that that customer will qualify for. And then they can structure the deal properly from there. Because they're frontline. They're the 100%. ones that deal with all of them. 100%. Right. See, that's what we're saying, guys. When we're talking about building out your non-prime department, 
understand that it's not just a matter of just buying some leads and you know getting your one of your FNI managers to deal with stuff. This is a full circle approach. I mean, your sales managers need to be able to look and identify these customers, mm-hmm. and then your sales people need to have a if they're going to be involved, there needs to be a handoff. They need to understand that this is a customer that they're going to hand off to another department. Right. You know, and I think a credit specialist needs to get involved early, immediately as possible, as yeah. quick as possible, hundred percent. Right. And selection yeah. is second. Money first, vehicle second. Yes. You and it. you can see that. If you pull that bureau early, all right, look, it doesn't take much to mm-hmm. read a bureau, all right? You, it actually, it doesn't. It no, really does. There's some really. basics to it. Some base, there's some basics to it. And you're going to know real quick if you're going to continue with the salesperson or if you need to get a, what did you call it, a credit analysis? And what did is that what you call them? Are you talking about a, like a credit bureau? Yeah. Or are you talking about a... No, no, like the individual that it kind of steps in. You had, you had a word for it. I thought it was really credit cool. Credit specialist. Credit specialist. Yeah, okay, yeah. I love That's it. That's right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. See, that we never called them credit specialists, but I actually really like that terminology, mm-hmm. you know, is of having a credit specialist. It's like, oh, look, you've been, you know, flagged here, but hey, no worries. We have a specialist here just for you Absolutely. to make sure everything goes super smooth. Absolutely. And you know, the biggest opportunity that a new car franchise that has a phenomenal name that's been in business for many, many years, mm-hmm. one of the things that they have that they can, they can uh, leverage is their trust in mm-hmm. the community, uh, the respect that they have for, uh, for their customers. Um, so when someone comes out and says, trust me, uh, you know, let us help you through a credit reestablishment program and you have a, you have a very strong name that you can leverage, mm-hmm. they're going to trust you. Oh, hundred percent. And, and you own that customer and you don't just own them on the first car. Uh, non-prime customers are the most loyal customers you will ever find. Yes. You own them on the next car and the next car and you can help build that department. Um, what's important to note is there's, there's two sides to non-prime. There's building a department with one credit specialist that does five to 15 cars a month. Yes. and then Which isn't bad in itself. That's not bad either. It's fantastic. Yep. It's a great business. If they're doing five to 15 units a, a month. The average gross that you want on a, on a non-prime deal is $4,500 yeah. on average. Okay. Now, if I were in the Western Canada, they, they'd kick me out of the store for that number. And in Eastern Canada, it's a little different. But the point is... On average, you want to pull off at least a, a strong enough gross profit. Forty-five hundred bucks is, is typically something that is very reasonable, mm-hmm. front and back combined. Yep. Um, but but doing that, it, it's it's important to note that a new, a new car franchise has the opportunity to build this business because they can leverage their name, they can mm-hmm. le- leverage the credibility, and 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 the, and the database that already has a high retention. Absolutely, like, actually, I mean, it, it's sitting there. It's Jason, last time we did this, there. we went through a whole batch of customers for a dealer group out east. And we went through a whole batch of customers. And as we're going through, while we're while we're calling these customers to qualify for a lower rate, potentially, mm-hmm. seven or eight of them have already bought other cars other places. Ah, see, that's a scary part. See, see so, so the opportunity was already come and gone. Yep. Right? So this stuff exists. The other level, so you have the credit specialist where you have the one person who handles the deal from front and back, five to 15 units a month. And the next level is you build an actual hub that mm-hmm. has a uh, lead lead coordinator, credit specialist, and delivery specialist. A three-person team in the beginning. It's a three-person team. Well, what happens is so, if you're a multi, it's, it's only if you're a multi-location uh, uh, dealer group. Okay. So if you're a dealer group, and let's say you have five or six locations, mm-hmm. what I would highly recommend is you're, if you're going to do a non-prime initiative, is you create a hub where, like a BDC. Yep. Think of it like a That's BDC. That's right. pretty much what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. Yep. All the leads go into a central place where a lead coordinator ha- handles it. Keep in mind for non-prime, it's all about speed. 
Yes. So when the lead comes in or the lead is accessed or whatever engaged. I find it's speed. a combination of speed and personalization. Because sure. what happens is, the, is they're going to submit it out to a lot of people. Absolutely. Like it's not going to be two or three. Yeah. It could be 15. Mm-hmm. So the speed to the response is really important, but it's not just necessarily the speed because what they do is they'll get you know, 12 automated responses. Correct. So it's a speedy personalized response, but yeah, yeah you, I know yeah, exactly what you No, mean. you're 100% right. You don't want the response to be a robot. Yeah. You want the, be, the response to be a real person. Because that's that's really what they're looking for. Absolutely. Like non-prime, more, 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 like more than anything, they, they want an individual on the other Absolutely. end of that communications. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Listen, confidence. Yeah. You know, if they feel confident that you're going to be able to help them, then then you're in. 100%. And, it, and a lead coordinator handling a lot of leads can do that. Yes. So a lead coordinator does that, passes, sets the deal up, so pre-structures it to a certain degree, hands it over to the credit specialist who gets an approval, and then of course a delivery specialist could be nothing more than sales representatives at different locations in the dealer group. So if you own five, six, 20 stores, you can have a representative, two or three representatives at each store mm-hmm. that delivered the non-prime deals from the hub. Yes. But those are the two elements, and I've done, I've done both. I've done a large hub with doing over 230 cars a month. Yeah. And I've done it where you have a credit specialist doing 15 to 20 cars a month. So what would you say um, a dealership that, because I'm trying to think, you know, we got a mixed bag actually. You know, we got people that are, are listening to this that are part of dealer groups. Then we got a lot of a lot of individual dealerships out there that are listening to this that are single point, mm-hmm. that are just, they're, they're hungry right now. Mm-hmm. They're looking for that little extra, hey, look, you know, something that can bring in, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 100,000 dollars in additional gross a month is can be huge to some of these single points out there. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just thinking for the single points kind of out there because I think the dealer groups they do kind of somewhat get it, especially if they already kind of have a BDC on site, so that kind of they're they're closer you know to it. Let's go down the path you're going on yeah, the individual the single points, yeah. But I'm going to share with you the deal, the, the the dealer groups mm-hmm. still don't really get it. That's true. I agree. Okay, it doesn't matter the, the size of the dealership. I'm the non-prime yeah. piece. Okay. They're still trying now. Are they much more astute and they they understand how to how to leverage their resources? Absolutely. Okay, that's where they got it. Yes. Okay, but the expertise and the level of how they or how they structure this on mm-hmm. non-prime. I'm talking non-prime specific. For sure. I'm not talking about service appointments or sales appointments or those types of things. They do very well with the BDC with that. Um, you're right. But let's go down to the single point for a second because yeah. that's a good point. So someone who is a single point. Um, uh, retailer mm-hmm. and who wants to build some form of a non-prime, you have a great opportunity. In fact, you can build enough profit on your non-prime department in your single point that it could be all the profit you make all year. Okay, yeah, it, it can be just if it's done. That's what I'm saying. So there's, I think there's. I'm just thinking for a lot of the franchise dealers out there that are listening to this, and they're looking at their new car sales, mm-hmm. and even their manufacturers telling them that you know they're expecting flat to somewhat maybe dip numbers for this year. Yep. And the funny thing is, this is nothing new. Okay, we we, we plateau out every five to six years. Yep. It's not it's not a big deal. It it's happens. Cyclical. You know, it will be like this for the next twelve to twenty four months or something in between. You know, and then we'll just right back into what we normally That's do right. to continue to gain. But yep. you know, over this next twenty four months, I think it's a great opportunity to look at this as being this, just this huge opportunity of increasing our gross. Uh-huh. We're not talking about a huge investment, but I do want to talk about the investment. So yeah. what does that investment look like for a single point? So, so number one, it's an individual that you believe. So there's two types of individuals. Mm-hmm. There's someone who already comes to the table with non-prime experience. Mm-hmm. Um, what's important to note for that is ensure that you do a good deal with that person and make sure that that person, not saying that they're not all, but make sure that person is ethical, 
and, and they run a good business. Good okay? It's in a positive approach to the customer and not someone who's just coming into jam, high numbers, and that kind of thing. It goes back to the philosophy of your dealership. But quite frankly, you want to do this for the long term. You don't just want to come in in a flash in the pan and do it for for a short period of time. So the first thing is, is the person. Um, I always say this, it's hokey, but I'm full of hokey sayings. Most important part of any process is the person. Yes. So you bring in the right person if they already have experience in non-prime. If they don't have experience in non-prime, it can be trained. Yes. This is kind of a little bit of a, uh, there's a perception that it can't be. Not at all. Your lender, first of all, they need to learn from their lenders. They need to understand the non-prime lender. They need to understand the non-prime process because it's not the same as a prime process. Mm-hmm. And they need to understand inventory and working with uh, the used car manager or, or working with the used car department. And, and all of these things can be trained to a hungry. In fact, I'll share some with you. Uh, out east, we had a sales representative who was hungry for the non-prime piece in the dealership. Knew nothing about non-prime. It was not an F&I manager, no experience like that, just on the sell side. You got it. But we're really phenomenal with customers and really got customers to fall in love with Understand the importance of developing a relationship and just huge communication skills. And and listen, very persuasive on on loving the car. Yeah. I mean, they were just great at putting customers in cars and getting the customer excited. So you know what we did? We took those raw talents with that individual those are very valuable. So we took that. So what were those raw talents? Because I'm just trying to think like yeah. I'm just in the mind of that single point manager right now or single point owner going, okay, is there someone in my dealership right now that might be able to fit Correct. this bill? You're going down the right path. Yeah. So, yeah. so what does that person look like? What are those talents? So look number like? one, they love people. Okay. Cool. So, and, and the customers love them. It's not old grumpy Bob. No, it's not. Okay. It's not. Exactly. It's just because just, just he's been with us the longest <laughs> period of time. Not the guy we just, put in the back okay. and he doesn't talk to anybody and that's right. And that's why we put him there. My favorite is always where, you know, he hasn't done well selling cars, so we're going to put him in the F&I department. Well, that's when I've, I've seen yeah. this happen. That's what Absolutely. I'm saying. So I'm just trying You're to right. lay it out. That's, so, that's so not, not the person. person. No. Person who the customers love them, okay? They know the inventory inside and out, okay? And they love the vehicles that they sell. Now, this may sound very basic, but I'm going to share something with you. Go around and look at, <laughs> look at the list. Look at your top-notch people in the dealership and ask yourself if those elements are there, mm-hmm. okay? But the, the person knows... And, and I want to say this in, a, in, a, in, a, in an ethical way. They know how to control the sale. They know how to control the customer. And I mean that in an ethical way. Yeah, in a professional way. 100%. 100%. They're, just, they're assertive in a good way. Mm-hmm. And the customer loves it, okay? So that person can be taught some of the basics on understanding some of the other elements of putting a deal together. Meaning, if it's a non-prime customer that needs a pre-approval ahead of time before they're shown a vehicle, Okay. That kind of person can learn some of these skills. Yes. And we've been successful in training people like that on some of those skills of understanding lending, of understanding payment calls, and how it matches the inventory, and how to put a customer in the right car. And because they're so customer-centric, uh, the customers fall in love with them. And the customers look at them and go, thanks for helping me out. Because that's what that's what non-prime customers are looking for. They're looking yeah. for that relationship. We've said Absolutely. that kind of before, but that's really what they're looking for. Look, yeah. The car... The payment, the interest rate, that is all secondary mm-hmm. to the relationship that they're looking to develop. They are so they hungry trust. to develop a relationship. They need trust. They mm-hmm. need trust in that, right? I used to have a crusty old paper hanger, okay? And that's the term for financing. I don't know how old that is now. But I used to have this crusty old finance manager who didn't want to talk to a single customer. We put him in a room in a corner somewhere, and he had the ability to get deals approved, okay? Yeah. And that was it. But that's all he wanted to do. Didn't want to talk to a customer, didn't want to engage whatsoever, okay? (laughs) 
That's not the person I'm talking about. No. Okay. And in fact, if you have somebody in your dealership that gets non-prime deals approved, or let me rephrase that, gets customers with bad credit approved, but doesn't engage in anything else, let's be clear, you're not necessarily in the non-prime business. No. You just have a non-prime filter, approval, I call it an approval filter. That's a good way to look at it. You have that's an really approval what it is. filter. You have somebody who can get you approvals. <laughs> yep. That's it. You're not building a non-prime business. You want to build a non-prime business, you have to build a non-prime structure along with serving customers and, and, and building it larger than just having a person that knows how to get deals approved. Yes. Right. So, so that's some of the raw pieces for the, for the single point operator that you get your hands on a really good person or to your point, a person that already is in the dealership looking for opportunity. And listen, all the tools are around you from technology tools yes. to from Canadian black book to, to lenders, to uh, dealer track, to everything. Everything is accessible to you to build that business. And as soon as they start doing five to 10 deliveries a month at uh, four, four to five grand a pop, what kind of business is that? That's a, that's a massive business all of a sudden, right? It you're is. doing a great job. So that's that's one of that's one of the No, I, I think I but I think recommend. you're right though. You look you can't we can train for efforts and we can train for activities, mm -hmm. right? And knowledge. Um, but at the end of the day, if someone doesn't have the, the passion, mm -hmm. all right, or the desire to want to communicate in a huge way or the desire to want to create relationships, they're not going to be the right person for 100%. You. So, I mean, those, you're right. Those are the two things that we're looking for. Outside of that, we can train, train the crap out of them. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. I got them trained. I got my right person. They're, they start day one. We talked a little bit before, and I think we want, I want to kind of circle back around to mm -hmm. that, is when I see a unfortunately very very few of ever job description yeah right sure like, i would love to say that i walk into a lot of dealerships and when i'm assisting in some of the consulting efforts and so on and so forth i would love to tell you a lot of the dealerships out there have job descriptions but i'd be lying no absolutely not. um absolutely. there are very few that actually have so what would a job description for this individual look like well first of all do you know the number one way to know what a real job description looks like no how look at their pay plan Ah, okay. So I always say a pay plan is a job description. So how you pay somebody is really what they end up doing. And that's very important. Mm, so you, develop the pay plan and then work backwards to the job description? Or or decide what you're willing to pay for. Ah, okay. So if I'm willing to pay for somebody to structure a deal from beginning to end, yes. I can't just pay them on F&I. No. Or on the front part of the car, right? I'll give you an example. Uh, we were in a store uh, not long ago where an F&I manager was trying to put a non-prime deal together. And it was already 72 hours past the time the customer bought the car. They had about $8,000 in F&I product sales, gross profit. Ooh. And in order to deliver the car, they needed $2,500 down, okay, to deliver the car. And they were trying to get the $2,500 from the customer, okay? Mm -hmm. But they were being unsuccessful in doing that. But the car still didn't roll. Oh my gosh. So. This is a great example of this person's only getting paid on the back end. Their incentive is only to keep the back end. And that's where the fight happens. And I've 100%. seen this happen a lot. They're not right? going to pull, they don't want to pull their product to no. deliver the car. Now, will they eventually pull the product and all? Yeah, but 72 hours goes by. And by that time, customer can get cold, cancel the deal, yeah. go down the street. Well, and what is the experience? It's, it's a terrible lost. experience. It's lost at that point. And a non-prime customer is crazy when it compared to a prime customer when it comes to when they're approved. I'll give you an example. If I'm a non-prime customer and I just bought a car from you yep. and I go home, or if you let me leave the dealership, I'm calling you in 15 minutes saying, how am I doing on the, uh, yeah, uh, hi, Jason. Yeah. I'll cut I know it all the time. I'll just sit there, but 
but did we get the did you get an approval back yet did you did, yeah did you hear anything from the bank oh okay thanks 20 minutes later after that yeah i, I didn't remember uh jason just curious uh, <laughs> did you say that that they were looking at it or is there an approval yet i, I just want and then again another hour after hey jason yeah it's just it's Derek again yeah i know i was just in there and i was just calling you non-prime customers want to know Oh yeah, I, I always approved. I always used to tell them that because I had some young people that started with this, and they got super excited about the approval. Mm-hmm. So then they wanted to, and they got excited. So they wanted excited. They want to share the excited news, right? Yeah. I'm like, whoa, 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 because what happens is then they share it, and then all of a sudden it's TikTok, TikTok. When I'm, when am I getting my car, right? right. And it's like, no, no, no. You got to have the approval in the car at the exact same time. Correct. All right, and it literally needs to be ready. I don't care. License it. Do whatever you got to do. Spot. It, it'll be ready. For you know, it, it's. Because <laughs> yeah. we don't want to have it needs to be completely seamless. It's like we got your proof and we got the car. You can 100%. pick it up tomorrow. But I want to make sure I'm answering your question, and and that is, uh, you know, job description really for a credit specialist is somebody who takes a deal from beginning to end, uh, specifically. So they do the meet and greet. So let's go back. It depends where the lead was generated. Mm-hmm. So if the lead was generated through either a uh, email credit app or it's the database in in uh, the DMS that they're working. Uh, the credit specialist's job is to give hope to gain to the customer to say, we can help you either reduce your current rate, no promises. Of course, if we review your credit, there's a potential for that. We can help you get into a newer vehicle, whatever the case may be. Yep. So as they need to have the ability to understand inventory, the sale of a car process. So it's not all finance, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not all F&I. Now, in fact, it's less F&I than it is car sales, Okay. That's an important point. Yes. A credit specialist is more car sales than it is F&I. Um, so at that point in time, they need to be, they need to understand the needs of the customer. They need to structure the deal based on the approval that they got or the payment call they got from that customer, the total advance of the vehicle, and they need to go and match that with something in the, in the inventory. Um, a job description for that person is people-oriented, understands inventory, understands the uh, has some ability to be organized as far as understanding lenders sales process uh, has to understand elements of that um, and then they deliver either they deliver the car themselves or they work with sales staff on the floor to help them deliver the vehicle what would you recommend I, I go I, sometimes I wave back and forth you know between them being full delivery yep. or bringing bringing in other hands honestly it depends on the size and scope you're trying to build a business yeah, so that makes I, sense. I, so i would say this if i'm a smaller store mm-hmm. my credit specialist can do everything from beginning to end uh, let's let's if, t- if i'm a bigger store this is a mm-hmm. tad bigger and i'm noticing then what i but there's a couple of things here so let me back up if the lead generated from the sales floor then I would make sure that I put 150 to 200 dollars flat in the deal to give back to the sales representative. Cool, because that's exactly where I was going to, to deliver. Because that I, I'm, I'm thinking as as uh, owners and dealer principals are listening to this right now, they're like, yeah. "Okay, I'm getting it. What is that compensation? How do I kind of make it a, a team effort?" Okay, so 100%. Th- there you go. You answer yeah. the question right there on that side. And, How and we you also want that salesperson to bring the customers forward. Yeah, right. We, we want to flag it. 100. percent You want them to have an incentive for that. Yes. So give them the sticker. Give them the 200 bucks. Or, two, or whatever the flat is. Yeah. And you build that into the deal. So it just makes sense. Right? Well, and, and that makes also, it puts a little skin in the game for them. 100%. So they can also assist and maintain and develop out that relationship yeah. as well. And deliver the car and give yes. a great delivery experience. Yeah. That's the other part too, is non-prime customers don't deserve a, a lesser a experience. Lesser, I've seen this, Absolutely. unfortunately. I've oh, seen this too. happen many All times. Time. Literally, it's like your keys will be at the front. Yeah. 
your paperwork and your keys are at the front. I'm like, what? Yeah. It's just, no. And I think that's really key is that uh, not just in the delivery process, but the entire process. 100%. Non-prime clients are not any different. No. They, it's and, the and yet, exact same love. And yet, and yet dealers, and, and when I say dealers, I need to be careful. They're not being treated that way at that level today. I know. Okay, so what does that mean? It's because we don't have the process? Is that why? Like, no, why, why are because, we doing that? Because they're not, um, they're not prioritized. Uh, okay. okay. They're not prioritized as, as, you know, it's almost like the cherry on top or, or it's almost like an extra mm-hmm. um, that I get, the, I get the non-prime deals. But if you put a focus on it and you start to realize that, you know, 10 non-prime deals at 4500 bucks a pop, <laughs> do the and math, by the guys. way, I can do math, um, <laughs> is, uh, you know, a lot of money. When you add that up, well, then you have to start taking that business a little more seriously, yes. right? That could be all the profit a single point cus- uh, single point store makes all year mm-hmm. at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Okay, half a million dollar profit at the end of the year could be all from your non prime department. Yes. So it needs to be taken seriously. Customers need to, and you have a you have a reputation to uphold as a new car dealer. So the opportunity for the new car dealer is build that business, go after it, because your competitors are taking their time to, to do that. Yes. And they don't get it. And they still don't really fully get it yet. Well, because it's a commitment. Oh, yeah. They have to understand this is not just, it's not just an additional process. Well, it is an additional process, but it's just not something that you just toss into what your ex- existing structure is. Correct. Like it is, to your point you said earlier, it is a whole other department. Correct. And needs to be treated and structured in that way. So um, let's go into a little bit about compensation because I think a lot of people are listening to this mm-hmm. going, okay, guys, they're shaking mm-hmm. their heads up and down. They're driving down the road. Go, yeah, this is making sense. Okay, I'm digging this. I understand. I like this idea of this credit specialist. Okay. You know, compensation is – there's just so many different variations of compensation out there yeah. right now in the market. Um, you know, what are we talking is, about a credit specialist right now? Yeah. What is, what, yeah. Is a, what is a compensation look like for a credit specialist? So, so we, we want to make sure we set this up for success, right? Absolutely. So first and foremost, I wouldn't do just one flat. I would okay. always have what's called I, – I, I would propose a matrix. Okay. So the matrix – the top part of the matrix would be the gross profit and then the, uh, the uh, horizontal part. Yes. Yes. Of the matrix would be – it's okay. I'll get that. <laughs> uh, would be the number of units. Okay. So I'll give you an example. If a credit specialist delivers five units at a gross profit of $2,500 a car, then the percentage that that would add up to would be less than if mm. they delivered 10 units at $4,500 a car. The percentage would be more so that they would get. Now, yes. the reason why you would do a matrix like that is because it gives them incentive to do more volume and to structure deals and work better deals. Yeah, it's not just more volume, it's more better volume. That's, what it. that's yeah. what it comes down you got to. It. Right? Higher quality of, of quantity. Yeah, because I've seen it go yeah. the other direction. Oh yeah. Right? Where oh, it's yeah. just like just volume, 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 volume. It, and actually, I really like the matrix, the, the matrix idea because it, it's going to create consistency in their efforts. Correct. You know, it's not just going to be, you know, I, it's not just, I'm always swinging for a home run, right? I'm Correct. consistently looking at getting on base. And, and if you're really going for a credit reestablishment type approach, you don't want to go home run. No, you, you don't. You don't want to go crazy. Like you don't want to bury a customer in a vehicle to the point where they come back to you, you know, three years from, from that point and there's no way you can help them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not really, but again, the challenge with any of the, with this business in general is if it's somebody in the role that's not there for the long term, Right then those deals may get structured differently, which is why I'm a big fan of ensuring that, you know, certain type of policies and processes are put in place. Mm-hmm. But again, it, it, it's, all, it's all based on the philosophy of your dealership and, and your approach to the customer. Um, turn, turn the customer more often, 
uh, more vehicles. But more I think everybody profit. would agree with that. I mean, I don't think anybody out there wants to. I mean, I'm sure there's some dealerships out there that are listening to this and they want to go for home runs. But I, I think everybody understands the concept or the importance yeah, of just always absolutely. just it's, it's base runs. Just yeah. and we're always bringing it in, we're always bringing it home, yeah. right? Just kind of one after another. And like I said, it's like if we can structure it properly, and knowing that we're going to get them out of this in the next 12 to 18 months, mm-hmm. then you know we're just right back at it absolutely. again. We're continuing to build this beautiful cycle. Can you um, imagine going into a month knowing you got 15 deals on the table already? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, any dealership out there would would say, "Nah, no, I'm really interested." in that because that's literally what we're talking about right here we're talking about putting the time in all right understanding this is a marathon not a race correct okay and like you said to your point you know you can go into a month knowing that there's gonna be 10 to 15 deals there Mm -hmm. that you've already prepped several months prior and now it's just it's time and and the customer's excited everybody's happy that everybody's winning at this point you know the customer's excited because we're able to drop their interest rates by another three or four points Mm mm-hmm you know, and because of that, we're keeping their payment pretty pretty much the same or exactly the same. Yeah. You know, and we're getting them into another new vehicle. That's right. Like, it's a total win for everybody. There, there is actual utopia that does that does exist like this, but not without commitment, not without a lot of hard work and a lot of training. Good point. And, and the training piece is, is the key critical part. You, you got to make sure that, you know, the one thing that that I, I find sometimes in, in certain new car environments is, is they will take deals away from their current finance managers and give them to an, uh, a credit specialist, mm-hmm. but never give the finance managers the opportunity to learn more about the lending criteria to do it themselves. Okay. And so let me be clear on this. So we're talking about sales floor traffic, mm-hmm. okay, that's coming in the door, that your F&I manager typically will only use two or three lenders for, and typically it's your TD and your BNS, the ones that default to a non-prime. So let's say yep. we're, we're, of course, talking about non-prime customers. Yes. So non-prime customer walks through the door, goes through the prime process at 0%, ends up coming to the F&I manager. F&I manager finally pulls a credit app, uh, maybe pulls a bureau, maybe not, yes. sends it off to TD. TD comes back More and likely says, not. More than likely not. TD comes back and says, we're going to move this to TD Auto Finance. It's a non-prime. And they come back with a non-prime rate. Well, now that F&I manager needs to reverse the process. They have to yes. go back, and now they have to start discussing a higher rate mm-hmm. okay, in that whole thing. But here's the thing. Here's the challenge. Teach that F&I manager how to utilize all the other lenders that potentially could get even a better rate. Or teach them to understand the lending criteria with even their own the lenders they're using today. Mm-hmm. So don't just um, isolate lending training to the credit specialist. Train your F&I managers on lenders as well. And I think your sales managers be a part of that because we're talking a little bit Absolutely. about this earlier as well, Absolutely. right? You know, I, I think everyone that's listening to this, you know, they're shaking their heads or agreeing with us. And because we, 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 you're right, I'm glad that we're kind of looping back around because we briefly talked about it, but not a whole lot. Was, uh, can I call it a handoff? Mm-hmm. That's kind of sure. what it is. It's, you know, it's spending that time to pre qualify them. And what does that look like in the Canadian market? Look, us in the U.S., look, we know how to pre-qualify people. Mm-hmm. We're good with that. Mm-hmm. But what does that look like in the Canadian market? Well, it's non-existent in the Canadian market. I mean, it's really, it's a, I mean, there's attempts made mm-hmm. to try and do some form of pre. And when I say non-existent, I mean, there's a small percentage of dealers. Really tiny. Very tiny. Uh, that, that dealers that are doing pre, uh, pre-approvals pre mm-hmm. or even attempting to get their sale. In fact, let me even be clear. I have yet to still see in Canada, an ideal across the country, over 700 dealers just in Syntag Dealer Services and plus. Um, and I've still yet to see a sales manager, okay, 
pull a, pull a bureau and structure a deal and desk it on a non-prime basis. I've still yet to see that. Wow. So, so, so talk so, about opportunity. I mean, well, it's huge. It's huge, huge opportunity. Huge opportunity. Absolutely. Teach your sales manager how to do that so they can structure the deal from the get-go mm-hmm. and then give the customer a better experience, but then structure a better deal. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you got a better deal, a better car, a better experience, everything, every, it's a win-win. Yeah. Right? But again, it's not really around. See, I didn't know that. You know, I, I guess because, you know, I'm, maybe I'm from the around. States. Well, maybe no, maybe just, I'm not looking. No, because I'm thinking about it myself and I'm thinking with all the dealerships that I work with as well, I, I don't have a single one that, that is doing that. Yeah. Or... No, they're doing it after they're they're selling the car first. They're right. not spending the time to do that, and it's just so funny. It's just you know when it, you know I was telling that story for you earlier when I first moved up here and I was consulting with that Ford dealership and I offered my assistance and I mm-hmm. sent them out on that Lincoln Navigator and I got a credit app and yeah. the sales manager's like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this, right? Yeah. And I just I I guess you're right. There's we're not we don't have a process in place. We don't necessarily look that. So so can we kind of paint that picture of what that looks like in the Canadian market and how we can go about do that? Yeah yeah actually so first and foremost put um, some form of process in the, on the floor with your sales representatives that at some point in time, once they build rapport, mm-hmm. so once they do a meet and greet, once they start doing some form of qualifying, and then they're building rapport with the customers, that they can have a good word track or a good approach to ask the customer of whether or not they want to take advantage of our uh, pre-approval process to see what rate they may qualify for in a nice, polite way. The customer says yes, there's a chance that there's a credit issue. If the customer says no, thank you, then they're probably prime most of the time. Yes. Okay, so if they say yes, then at that point in time, a credit specialist gets involved, takes the statement, the sales manager pulls the bureau with the approval, looks at the bureau right away and knows exactly what kind of deal they're going to structure for that customer at that point in time. I agree with you because I'm thinking out of all the non-prime deals I've done since I started in this business, I I would say personally, I would say at least 80% of the clients, <clears throat> excuse me, I would say at least 80, up about I know, right? I know I get so choked up about this. <laughs> um, at least eighty percent of the people out there that know they're they're prime mm-hmm. will immediately say so. Oh, non prime. Yeah, they know that they're sure. non prime. Like yeah. they just it's like I, I I seldomly find do I find out they're like oh, I don't qualify for yeah. a vented yeah. rate. What? Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, they kind of knew it going into it. So if you ask the question, it's just, and I guess that's the simple that's part is you got to ask the question. Just ask the question and, you yeah. know, and, and do it in a very serving type of approach. Uh, and if the customer says no, then, then it's no, then you move on. Customer yeah. says yes, you take advantage of that situation to serve them better. And that's right? the key here. I think that's what we're saying here is that this is truly for their for their yeah, benefit, absolutely. Not necessarily for ours. Okay, sell them at zero percent and they don't qualify. Is that for their benefit? No, come on, that's a horrible experience. That's not for their benefit. Let's get me all excited and jacked up. We negotiated yeah. a price, and now I'm going to find out yeah. it's seventy five dollars more than yeah. more a month than what I originally thought it was going to be. I had a sales manager out in the East Coast say to me, he goes, I don't want to insult my customer. I said, let me ask you a question. You can insult them now or you can insult them later when you're moving them from 0%. Good point. When, do you good want, point. when, do you, when would you prefer to insult them? I mean, really, it's, it doesn't have to be insulting the customer. you got to be careful of your approach because, mm-hmm. again, the approach isn't. We're not advocating that the approach is you go out there and you say, listen, you look like you might have some bad credit. <laughs> And in fact, I don't really want to waste too much time with you right now. So do you mind if we check your credit before I even show you a car? Because really, I'm not interested. Yeah. Okay, I'm being, I'm exaggerating. But well, the point is, not far from it. I but, think I've seen that happen. But the point is, yeah, you, but that's not the approach we're talking about. No, that's not the approach not. we're talking about is, would you like to take advantage of our pre-approval process and see what rate you qualify for? 
Okay. Simple. To save you some question, time. Really? To save you some time and to see what you're working with. And I think it's that's what is, is that. you're coming as a benefit of saving time. 100%. Right. The m- most valued commodity yeah. out there is what time. All right. And you if they it. know, they know they're going to say yes. Yep. And if they don't, then you move on. And then it's just a matter of all right. They said yes. Now let's get the credit app filled out. Now we got to train our sales managers to understand what the hell they're looking at. You got it. And it's not, we're not talking about crazy amount of training. It's just, we, we, it's we, not, it really isn't. You know, it's not that you, you remember back in the Wizard of Oz, right? Yep. And uh, you're watching the Wizard of Oz. And of course, you got the lion, you got Scarecrow, Tin Man, you got Dorothy. They're all walking in. And there's the Wizard of Oz way in the front, big giant mugshot, the, the fire's going crazy. And, and he's going, Who is that? <laughs> right? And it's a big voice and it's scary. And of course, the lion's freaking out, right? So it's like a big show. Yeah. Okay. Well, the credit, the credit specialist, the credit <laughs> specialist of old, is kind of almost like that Wizard of Oz. It's like a big show. Yeah. Think about back in the days when you sold cars and you had a deal and it wasn't getting approved, and then the guru, the this, the credit specialist oh, yeah. guru, yeah. they took the deal and they went back. Right. Because really, all it is is it's it's the guy in the curtain, right? The Wizard of Oz was the guy behind a curtain pulling yes. levers, right? He just didn't want you to see, and he would even say, "Ignore that man behind the curtain." Remember that? <laughs> yes. And he's like, "Ignore." He's just pulling levers. He knows, he knows what levers to pull. Yes. Okay. The credit specialist guru would take your deal, would go to the office, come back with an approval, and he'd be like, wow, what did you do? It was like a mystery. Yep. Okay. Those days are over. Yes, they are. Those They're over. There are ways to know how to do this, and they're very specific, and it's a process. It's technology combined with, with lender criteria, payment calls, inventory, Knowing your lenders inside and out, building relationships with your lenders, and understanding how to structure deals. And at the end and of the that day, can be taught. hundred percent. And at the end of the day, it's all about building out a frictionless, seamless user experience for your non-prime for your non-prime clients. You got it. Derek, um, I can't thank you enough, and I'm sure we could easily go on this. And yeah, I think absolutely. we are going to have to do this again because I can definitely absolutely. there's a lot. There's still a lot here to chew on and break off. Marvel movies will be the next one, though. Yes. Marvel movies and comic books, <laughs> we'll have to talk about That's that. That's what we're doing. We're going to forget all this. We're just going to talk about comic <laughs> books. Um, Derek, for people out there that are listening to this and would love to connect with you and yeah. just learn more about what Simtech does, what's what's the best way to connect with you? Yeah, Probably the, be- the best way would be on LinkedIn. Okay. So number one, Derek Sloan uh, with Simtech, uh, Simtech Dealer Services. Um, I, I'm just in the process of getting uh, some of, some of my uh, some website stuff done, but right now it's not completed. So yeah, there you go. But really, uh, just link with me on LinkedIn. If you have any questions on anything we talked about today, I'd be more than happy to talk to you. Uh, but Simtech Dealer Services, Canadian company, been around for 48 years, uh, as long as I've been around. And uh, <laughs> and uh, just search me out on LinkedIn. Awesome. A little plug for the book. Can well, we talk about that? Well, actually, I was kind of holding out on that just yet. Because, okay. Yeah, all right. All right. All right. We'll yeah, just yeah. we'll so, they'll just be to continue to yeah, be continued. To, to be, there to we be go. Continued on that one, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm I'm the kind of guy that wants to get it out first and then talk about it after. Awesome. Awesome. When that yeah, happens, yeah. we're definitely coming back. And yeah. Absolutely. I'll be excited for right. that. Hey, Derek. Thanks again for Thank your time, you. man. Appreciate really appreciate it. it. Thanks. Always a pleasure. I a lot of fun. It. Thank you for the time.